Your source for Big Ten Talk, it's Off Tackle Empire! Welcome to our review of week one in Off Tackle Empire. Once again, I'm Steve Braun, aka Thumpsaurus, with Andrew Kuszewski. Stop the presses. Very important recruiting news that broke actually right before we were recording last week's episode, but I couldn't find a way to shoehorn it in. Um, Wisconsin football recruiting the most clutch commitment of this cycle. Cam Large, tight end prospect. Cameron Large. What are the odds that he ends up going by Tiny at some point during his career at Wisconsin? Tiny Large. There we go. That's just what this, we're going to call Just what this happened. There's not a lot of joy in my life because I'm a fan of Michigan State football. Well then, and Michigan State football is much like our win fight try Brewster of the week from Dogfish Head. Slightly mighty. That was our theme here. This is uh, Dogfish Head's low calorie IPA. And, you know, for the times when you want to keep it under 80 yards rushing against the Midland Conference USA opponent, um, yeah, find yourself slightly mighty. So, yeah, so this 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 guy's got definitely the taste of a of a balanced IPA, but 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 just slightly, right? It 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 it's got the hint of football, but it's not 100% dominant. The Big 12 went the Big 10 went 12 and 2 uh this weekend in non-conference play, but very little of that was actually very impressive. So, yep, slightly mighty. Yeah, and for the record, we you know we here on Off Tackle Empire and in the Big Ten footprint at large like to give a lot of flack to the SEC in particular for non-conference scheduling. Oh, you never leave your home states. You always play cupcakes. You got multiple FCS teams every year, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And for the most part, we were right to do so because it is a sign of cowardice. However, this week uh, is a pretty good data point in a constellation of data points that actually. Scheduling up out of conference is a dumb idea, particularly if you have to travel, particularly, particularly if you have to travel to the Western time zone, as we saw from Northwestern and Purdue both going west, taking on beatable teams, especially in Purdue's case, and coming home as the only two teams to start with the L. Don't leave home, don't schedule power opponents, especially if you have to go to another time zone to do it. The end. 100%. And of course, they weren't the only ones to fall into that trap. As we'll get to, but... We dick trip prematurely, though. So, yeah, before we get to the rest of the country, we'll take a quick run around the hashtag footprint, and I bet Minnesota fans thought, maybe hoped, that this stretched out week one, we had football going from Thursday to Monday, and we're calling it all part of the same week. I bet they hoped that the fact that we had five days of football would have helped people forget that, in fact, uh, they were maybe the for- most fortunate team to escape an embarrassing loss in the country, not just in the conference. Oh, 100%. I mean, the only arguably close one is Iowa State. Yeah. and um, that, Well, and that's just simply because they played their game on Saturday when everybody was watching football. And because it went to three overtimes, that's enough time for word to get around the internet. Hey, everybody, come look at this. Iowa State's going to lose this fight to its eighth grader. That's the kind of vibe you got from that game. Minnesota was a much different thing. It was a dark, shameful beating by an 8th grader in the alley behind your own house. Um, that's kind of what this felt like. They needed a, a questionable penalty to wipe off a kick return from South Dakota State. Um, and they got an assist from an awful, awful turnover. 
I mean, yeah. this is not... Unforced. Compl- not Minnesota calling a creative blitz or a great playing coverage. Just freshman quarterback just, just flat out dropping the ball on the zone read. Freshman quarterback in his first start, by the yeah. way. Yeah, he actually looked... I mean, he, he was promising that. Gibbs, I think, was his name. Gibbs or Dobbs? Yeah, yeah Gibbs. Gibbs. Jabori uh, Gibbs, yeah. Jabori Gibbs. Yeah, so this is not one of those things where a team just can't seem to execute or get out of its own way while dominating an inferior opponent. Uh, Minnesota was outgained by 60 yards on the day. No, they were not the better team. They were outpassed. They were outrushed. Uh, yeah, they had... Um, from a team They were only able to generate 3.1 yards per carry. From, to, a team, from a team returning 10 starters on offense and bringing Rodney Smith back. I mean, what the hell is the deal here? To compliment Muhammad Ibrahim. Yeah, we've not... I've, P.J. Fleck, Fleck looked sadder after this win than most coaches do after losses. I think he realized we have problems here. And I don't know what the solution is because, again, they were healthy. They had almost everybody back from last year, especially on offense. Aside from a few, and, and you know, that's the other thing. If Rashad Bateman doesn't make one of the greatest catches of what will be one of the greatest catches of the season, that's another, you know, another thing, good thing of fortune for the Gophers in this game. So... Boy, it's one thing to just say, well, maybe this is a tough matchup. You know, they, your opponent's got a lot of smaller, faster guys. That's true. But again, if you're playing an FCS opponent, an offensive line with Minnesota's experience and size should look overwhelming. And they didn't. Not to mention, I mean, they did look overwhelming until the play started. Right. Right. They had, look they, at how big those they, dudes they are. They pointed this out on the broadcast. They had an average of 70 pounds a man advantage on the <laughs> South Dakota State defensive line. Four yards a rush. Um, not even. And, and, so, yeah, what you're saying is, yeah, maybe this is an aberration because South Dakota State, you know, played in a spread offense which a lot with a lot of smaller, fast guys. Yeah, well, you think Nebraska and Illinois, uh, their offense coordinators are watching that game, and, and you think they could even control their salivating? Nebraska, Illinois, Purdue. I mean, there's plenty of... I mean, all of the non-Iowa and Northwestern teams in the West are at least arguably looking at this with great interest, so... Boy, yeah, it, you know, it's almost as though skepticism might have been warranted about a team winning the Quick Lane Bowl and going on to anoint themselves contenders in the West. I don't know, maybe that who said who could who could say whoever would have seen that coming? Not not us certainly. And it's such such a weird thing that as productive as Rashad Bateman was, that they kept not giving him the ball. Tyler Johnson was blanketed all night by double coverage, yeah. and Rashad Bateman made huge plays every time he touched the ball. But they only threw it at him like six times. Yeah, yeah, I think he turned those into five catches. So five catches for 132 yards and a touchdown. Yeah, one of the best plays of the week, actually. Yeah, um, I, the only other thing I guess I would say is, but there were plenty of occasions. The defensive backs are going to be by far the strength of this defense, I think. Uh, South Dakota State didn't have much trouble moving the ball, and the other thing that I noticed is Minnesota's linebackers looked really slow. And granted, oh, they were yeah. they were missing Kamal Martin, and I think it sounds as though he's going to be back relatively soon. But boy, uh, you know, like it's difficult to catch the Wesley Wabbits occasionally. Yeah, so there was um, oh man, I ran into a brick wall. I yeah. Speaking of running into brick walls, let's talk about Michigan State's running game if we have to. Uh, <laughs> there what? The uh, running game. The the only thing I would say in favor of Michigan State after Friday night is they at least did me the courtesy of making it perfectly clear by not even the end of the second quarter, but certainly by halftime that. They have in no way fixed any of their offensive problems, and expecting any big things out of them this season is going to be an exercise in futility, so I frankly am along for the ride at this point. I'm going to get a lot of enjoyment out of watching an incredible defense. Uh, I'm taking suggestions from from our commenters, from our hashtag footprint, 
about secondary hobbies I could pick up during Michigan State's offensive possessions. My girlfriend likes crocheting. Um, I could make little, I've, I've always thought it would be funny to make like little crochet Cthulhu's and put them in her cubicle and stuff. So I might learn how to do that. Um, anything to keep me busy during the admittedly very brief offensive possessions at Michigan State will in- inevitably get from time to time um, when Mark Antonio's least favorite part of a football game comes true and his team has the ball. The only, all right, so that's a lot of complaining in it. I promise I'll tone it down in the future because, like I said, I've, I've seen what they are now. And there's really no reason if, to think they're going to get much better. If you take out the defensive scores and the ones that were set up by turnovers and short punts, the ones that they started in Tulsa territory, uh-huh. Michigan State wins this game 10-7. to Probably closer to what D'Antonio wanted, honestly. But I'll do you one better. I'll, set, I'll walk through a sequence of possessions in the second quarter that perfectly illustrate what you need to know about this game and probably about Michigan State football at large right now. Thank you, Koala Correspondent, for squeaking the Koala most vigorously at this particular moment. On three consecutive possessions in the second quarter, here's here's what Michigan State's defense did for its offense. They forced a fumble to give MSU's offense the ball at the Tulsa 21. That's 21 yards from the end zone. Next possession, they got a safety. Next possession after that, they get an interception and return it to the Tulsa 30. Now 30 yards to go from the end zone. On the three ensuing offensive possessions, so the two off the turnovers and then the one from the free kick, MSU managed first a field goal after losing seven yards on eight plays off the free kick. They had the ball for a lot longer, but eventually turned it over on downs. And off the second turnover, they kicked another field goal after managing four yards on four plays. If you're an offensive player for Michigan State right now, how do you look a defensive counterpart in the eye? If you're a scout team safety at Michigan State's team right now, and there's something on, an off, on a starting offensive lineman's plate that you want, I think you take it and backhand him if he grunts at you. Yeah, this there's is, a clear pecking order right there. That, that's... Huh. I, I, I was over here watching that game with you, and I, I just... I just... Uh, it had the it had the mentality of, a, you know, just a laugher, except that the offense kept not producing. Yeah. Series after series after series after series after series, and I figured it at some point someone's going to you know someone on Tulsa is going to miss an assignment just by sheer chance uh, but instead it was more like what's going on with my computer which is that it's just playing stuff at me playing stuff at me the Michigan State offense <laughs> yeah last note I'll just point out is Michigan State's only offensive touchdown came off of a drive when Tulsa gave them 25 penalty yards on one play by one player it was spectacular honestly I forget the guy his last name was Johnson I forget his first name but Defensive back, and during the initial action, he committed like the worst attempted horse collar I've ever seen in my life. And then he let go of his man in time to run over and hit Lewerke with a late hit out of bounds. So, gave him 25 yards on one play in the span of about five seconds. It was truly phenomenal. So, there were 383 yards of offense in this game between Michigan State and Tulsa. Do you know how many yards of penalties there were? MSU was well over 100. I think they were at like 120 or 130, so I guess probably 200. Yeah, 202. So there were more than half the number of penalty yards that there were. In fact, Tulsa gained the same number of yards in penalties as the... Or no, Tulsa Tulsa wiped out all of their gains in total yards with penalties, so their net yardage was zero. Uh, Michigan State's net yardage, subtracting the penalties... Was uh, under 200. 100, I was just about 180, 170. 
And, you know, D'Antonio talked about that a little bit, and he basically made it sound like the penalties were the worst problem. And they're bad, obviously. They're all drive killers in one way or another, but... Does it really matter if the if the drive is killed by a shot to the heart if it's going if in like another ten minute ten seconds in this course of a game it's going to keel over because of the gout anyway you know it's not like this is a well oiled machine that's just having major malfunctions that are putting it off course this thing is rusted the fuck out and it's not moving so commit a penalty don't commit a penalty it's a line that still can't block receivers who still can't catch play calls that are still predictable as hell that's what it is. And penalties aren't gonna penalties aren't the thing that's getting in the way here, coach. And by this time, I think that our our Rutgers uh, listeners have recovered from singing "You Give Love a Bad Name" since you dropped the the line "Shot Through the Heart" uh, about thirty seconds ago. Sorry, sorry for triggering that reflex. It's uncontrollable. We know. Um, Look, we're slippery and wet. All right. Um, so move on, because again, we got a lot of games to get through thanks to the non-conference. Um, Fortunately, an easy one to talk about next, Wisconsin. No problems with this road trip, business trip. Got it. Oops, I was wrong about this one. Yeah, good thing about the game is it's going to happen, and then it's going to be done, and you'll either have a win or you'll have a loss or you'll have a result, and that's what we want as The great result. thing about the game is that you get to play it, and that's that's what these guys you know, all want to do is you always want to go play the game, and it's always good when you get to play it. Well, the good thing about nouns is they're going to verb. Yeah, you know, that this is... This is a this is a noun that really really verbs really wants to get in there and verb and you know does so in such an adjective. Oh, okay. Well, there there there's where the impression falls apart because I it's impossible almost said adjective. Take, yeah, y'all. So anyway, it's impossible to separate the noise Jeez. here because hey, uh, give away everything, coach. Use an adjective because for 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 years now I've been harping on the fact that Charlie Strong has been like secretly really bad. Yeah, um, well, I don't think it's a secret anymore. <laughs> I don't think it's gonna be. No, a secret No, it can't long. possibly be. No. But like this is gonna be like this is gonna be his last stop as a head coach uh, at the very least for a while. Um, I mean, because of his recruiting ties and his, he'll get a coordinator job yeah, somewhere for sure. But he's not gonna have the same kind of turnaround that say a Will Muschamp will, which we'll get to again in dick trips of the week. Um, Wisconsin's defense held uh, South Florida to just one point one yard per carry. Yeah, and the offense just manhandled them. Jack Cohn getting the start, going nineteen for twenty six, very efficient, very workmanlike. Not a not a lot of big plays being aimed for, but not a lot required. Jonathan Taylor was more than enough for this game, uh, and this this kind of thing is why it's frustrating watching offense like Michigan State's because Wisconsin had a rebuilt offensive line. They've got a newish starting quarterback. Had a handful of starts last year, and it it's it doesn't have to be difficult. They lots of other teams don't make it look difficult. So yeah. Probably, we were discussing this before we started, who of the Big Ten teams, excluding the losers of course, can really say that they were impressed or outperformed expectations this week? Wisconsin's probably top of that list, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Illinois more that like, I mean, the general consensus is was was that, you know, I'll believe it when I see it when it comes to Illinois. They should absolutely put Akron away, but that's... Not what they've done, and then um, I mean Maryland. What what is Howard? Well, right, an FCS team. That's why we're not going to talk much about them. We're not going to talk much about Penn State either. Both of them getting to seventy nine. So I guess they're pretty much exactly the same quality of a, of team, really. Although if you think about it, didn't didn't Penn State allow some points? Yeah, they allowed a touchdown, which Illinois did not Gosh, do. Bump Maryland above Penn State in those power rankings. That's all I'm 100%. saying. One hundred percent. They only won by seventy two. I mean that is that is just a real. You know they sweated that out in the fourth quarter. It was. 
I, it was only an eleven. It was only an eleven possession game at that point. I, Ten possession know, game. You just wonder if Franklin's a guy for the job at times like that. So that that really is all we're going to say about Ira Eagles game. Sorry if we're shorting our analysis of your third string quarterback. Um, I can't say I watched much of either once it got to you know forty two nothing. Is that a pretty good point to start to tune out in the second quarter? Um, but we mentioned our teams that may have outperformed some expectations. Rutgers won. That's, you know, that outperformed plenty of people's expectations. It did not look like they were going to for a while. And the the celebratory lauding tones we've heard from some of the faithful, who shall remain nameless, um, kind of makes me think maybe they forgot about the first half, although the second quarter was great for Rutgers. But Yeah, McLean Carter's got an arm, and he's not afraid to use it. Um, got a little got bit of Sikowski in him with the interceptions, but... You know what? No, he's, he's not... Sitkowski, he's he's more he's more late stage Favre than Sitkowski because because when did you ever see Sitkowski thread one in there that was really good? All the times that he made successful throws were all dump offs. Carter's gonna thread it into coverage and give his guy a chance to make a play, and uh, sometimes he'll make it, sometimes he won't, but. It's definitely got to be a lot more inspiring as a Rutgers fan to see that guy. To know, yeah, to know that even with his have, flat feet, you have a threat of a downfield passing attack now, which didn't last year. So you also kind of have to lay it. It looks like they've got a pretty clear. You know, last year, if Rutgers need in the few instances when they got to say like a third and three, what's Rutgers go to play last year? Who do, who has to have the ball? What are your first, second, and third options? Didn't feel like they had them. This well, year, basically, all like you have to do is just hope desperately that they don't, you know, that they don't blanket Blackshear so that you can dump it off to him in the flat. That's all they could really hope for. And they're still doing a little bit of that. Blackshear was a big, big option in the passing game, but because they now have a quarterback who can actually hit a wide receiver downfield, you have Bo Melton as an option, and now Pacheco was a much better running option without, you know, eight guys in the box every down. So. There's a better packing order for all of Rutgers skill players. It feels like this offense may actually be functional, which will be a nice change of pace. Yeah, Bo um, Melton uh, was a guy that he, he played last year, but you can't really tell how good he is because he didn't get <laughs> yeah. any chances. I mean, hey, yeah. he's, he's, a, he's a gamer. There'd be Well, I mean, there would be entire games where there would not be any catches for the wide receivers at Rutgers. So that's a step in the right direction. The defensive regression is a little worrying because... Again, you got to keep in mind your opponent here. Yeah, you scored plenty against UMass. You don't think Big Ten teams are going to be able to handle your three playmakers? Um, and, you know, the fact that you're giving up that, you know, for most of the first half, you're getting run through by a team that honestly should go full UConn and just, just put themselves down in the closet of FCS. Um, there's going to be some yards and points given up. That much is clear that, that Rutgers defensively is going to be a step back from where it's been the last couple of years, which is the only reason they've won any games at all under Chris Ash. Yeah, so that was, uh, I mean, I don't expect to see Rutgers perform that well all year, but it certainly looks like their ceiling might be a little higher than I thought, just because you don't know what they have in McLean Carter um, until you actually see him play. And, you know, well, maybe it is just just as simple as he's got the confidence and he's got experience throwing, you know, throwing the ball down the field at this level. Quarterback who throws the ball. Well, but I mean, you're 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 you know oh, thanks, spends buddy. spends any time at Texas Tech, right? Oh yeah, yeah. You're not gonna you're not gonna lack for a willingness to throw it over them mountains. Um, speaking, speaking of, of speaking of mountains, bam, nailed the transition. <laughs> now we're gonna fuck it up by talking about how good it was. Um, oh, Purdue. 
Um, yeah, oh, man. If Sindelar had thrown it over the mountains, it wouldn't have been picked off. A week ago, I was here thinking I talked myself into Purdue as contender, as primary contender in the Big Ten West. I thought I decided at the last minute it was going to be them in Iowa. I'm I'm still feeling pretty good about Iowa. Purdue less so. Um, big picture, I will say. Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> uh, now Andrew's squeaking the dog toys. Well, you know, you, you gotta make plays if you want to be a playmaker. You gotta make plays. Make plays. Make plays. Make uh, plays! <laughs> uh, so, Purdue, this tendency to uh, give away games that you have well in hand, especially to definitely inferior opponents, this is becoming a worrying trend. In year two, it's not as much of a problem because you figure the roster is not what Brom wants it to be. It probably still isn't. But you're also, your margin of... Error is not such that you're going to be able to give away games like this if you want to go bowling and get to a bowl you might actually win instead of facing Auburn. So, I uh, yeah, don't mean to bring that up. Sorry if we undid some therapy there. But look for as, uh, they looked good enough in the first half that I went to bed. I went to bed at halftime feeling pretty secure in my belief that Purdue... And then I, w- I woke up at like 1.30 in the morning to go to the bathroom because I've been drinking all day. And I hop on the slack and there's all these, What the fuck? What, what the fuck, Purdue? I was like, oh... Uh, yeah, what what the fuck, Purdue? I didn't even see it until I woke up the next day and said, what? They lost? Yeah. Just because they were in such a good position at halftime. They are up 24-7. Seemed to have yeah. game well in hand. And they committed five turnovers in the second half. Mm-hmm. Uh, two interceptions, three fumbles by, uh, I mean, by three different players. Yeah, and so we see there's a little bit of maybe we should have known inherent in those turnovers so for one thing uh Sindelar, that's the the interceptions are baked into him i you know we i was hoping that maybe he would be able to corral those tendencies that was part of my optimistic assessment of purdue this offseason well the other thing is though wouldn't have had to be throwing if they were getting more than 3.3 yards for carry and that's where the running back situation comes into play and maybe tario fuller is a bigger loss than we realized it's not as though he's ever been a dominant bell cow guy, but he's de- he was by a mile the most experienced and proven guy they had. You'd definitely take him over Xander Horbath. Yes, and I, d- I think if he's healthy, Fuller is probably carrying the ball 15 to 20 times in the second half last night, probably making a bit more in the way of yardage, and Purdue probably wins. The other thing about Horvath is, isn't he the guy who got bonked in the helmet on that punt that ended up being a turnover? Yeah. I'll give him half a turnover for that, too. So... No, he's credited with an entire turnover. Oh, is he? <laughs> awesome. Uh, well, I guess I don't. I mean, I don't think Moore even got to touch it, so I don't know who else you'd put it on. Uh, <laughs> Moore is credited with two fumbles, which he only lost one. Yeah, yeah. Which you get sometimes with guys who, with the confidence of knowing that you can probably make just about any play on the field, sometimes you're thinking a little too much about it rather than the thing you need to do to start the play, which is not fumble the ball. So maybe there's a little. You know bit what of that. this I was? Think, I think you forgive him that. This was Northwestern's loss to Akron last year. Pretty much. I mean, it was Pretty very much. much the same thing. They had yeah. a commanding lead. Nevada's a better team. Yes. And this was on the road. And, and this was again, on the road, West, yeah. They're about time, right? Yeah, so. yeah. But thanks to just a bunch of turnovers, uh, just completely lost control of a game that they had well in hand. Um, a worrying sign for sure. The good news is they'll get a chance to, you know, pretty quickly right the ship. But yeah. they're going to need to do it quickly. Yes. So, so moving on here, we've been talking for, what, 25-ish minutes now? And we're only just now getting a Saturday. So 
Hope y'all are ready for the long haul here. Ohio State fans remain perpetually unaware of their privilege. That's my reaction to their game Saturday. They were a little bit ruffled because they threw it into neutral a little bit early in the game, tightened up to within four scores late in the game. What do you want to do? Run it up 70 to nothing when you've got one quarterback that you know can play the game? Are you sure you want to leave him in there? Yeah, I don't see what the point even is. I mean, he Justin Fields, uh, for my fantasy team, racked up, what, like 36 points in the first quarter? Yeah, I don't, something like that. And then, uh, well, I'm in the didn't play Jalen Hurts division, so I'm just gonna be yeah. ca- I'm gonna be catching up for the rest of the season because of that fateful decision. Um, never mind. Although, you know, Austin, maybe we'll make that a regular feature from now on. Just who is the who is the college fantasy play of the week that just dicked you right up the pooper? Um, well, I mean, our our whole thing was our league was is literally now separated. Right? It's like it's almost it's almost like a it's almost like. Um, I'm Lord of an Underclass. Oh, it's 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 distilled itself out to almost like when you separate a colloidal solution, right? With the although you know, if memory serves right, I started around this spot last year and I worked my way up to third. Oh yeah, it's behind, a long behind you who cheat and your brother-in-law who cheats. So it's 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 a it's a long season. But my point is, after week one, the top seven all started Jalen Hurts, who put up sixty-two, and everybody else. Did not. I didn't think he was that good. I'm like, okay, yeah, Oklahoma, they're always, they, in Houston's defense is bad. But look, by all, I started Nathan Rourke and Bowman at Texas Tech. Those are not bad decisions. Uh, objectively on paper, the plan was a sound one. The plan was sound. And the exit, why are you, do you, do you look at me. You look at me in the eyes when I'm, so Michigan, they went ahead and showed how quiet their crowd can be by immediately punching themselves in the face, fumbling on the first play from scrimmage against Middle Tennessee State and giving up a very quick touchdown. And then as time went on, it became clear this really isn't an upset threat. Despite the score remaining closer than you'd probably like it to be, they showed pretty little, you know, not much on offense, although they have now shown Dylan McCaffrey playing wide receiver. Like, uh, what are they, you know, I don't, I don't like Michigan, but I'm just, I'm just watching this. <laughs> I'm just watching them do this thing like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, why Why are you not, what, you're up like up like 17 points on Middle Tennessee. Why are you dicking around with your quarterbacks here? And then, then they split Patterson out, the wide receiver. Like, what the hell they do, are you well, doing? They just do the opposite of what Michigan State does. So Michigan State, always in the first few games of the season, runs, like, they just run the same basic power out. Dave run 30 times. They don't show hardly anything. And it's always can't put anything on film. Got to keep it secret. So when we do our fake punt, nobody will see it coming. Two-thirds of the time, people see it coming. Michigan goes the other way. We're going to show everybody everything. We're going to run 80 formations. And then when we actually need to use one of these things down the stretch, we've got so many that somebody's going to commit an illegal formation penalty at a well, terrible time. Do they ever actually use those in important situations? Probably, I don't have any... Probably once in a while, but not successfully. Anything, the playbook always gets conservative when it really counts the most. So far, yeah, we'll see. That's, with this that's new how it's been because, as we've said, the more important the game, the tighter they clench up. Yeah. And frankly, I think you know, for a while, I thought his whole goal was to go viral. You know, just just because he could afford to dick around with that train formation that he ripped off from some high school that wasn't really a formation. It was just a, a it was just a creative pre-snap movement. It was the. It was the offensive formation equivalent to the Ron Zook swinging gate, but somehow we said, "Oh, Jim Harbaugh is so cool and innovative." Not like this guy doesn't belong as a head coach at all. But anyway, now I don't even know what his goal is with this. So you know, 
Whatever. Go ahead. Keep doing that. Go do that. Get, do that against Army next week and see how that turns out. Sure. So if we want to talk a little more substantively, there is some glitches here for a preseason number seven, particularly the one getting so much love to make the playoff win the conference. Uh, but they're not things that we didn't already know. They're thin on the defensive line. They don't really have. They don't have anything approaching level playmaker they did last year up front. Now maybe guys could develop. I hear the name Quiddy Pay thrown at me by Michigan fans a lot. Like he's you know. Like he's Brandon Graham or something. I don't see much in the way of playmaking the front line. I mean, really, the front seven, if I'm being honest, outside of Kalik Hudson. Um, they do have problems at offensive tackle. John Runyon was unexpectedly out, and they're starting redshirt freshmen on both sides, man. One more injury there, and they are toast. Uh, and then Donovan Peoples Jones was out as well. He was in a walking boot for unclear reasons. Doesn't sound like any of those injuries are bad, but they're shallow at some places that are not good places to be shallow. Good news is Zach Charbonnet does have a, the look of a lead back. He didn't crack 100 yards, but they rotated heavily enough that I don't think he really had much of a chance. He'll probably get 1,000 yards this season. Um, so they've at least they've got an answer there, albeit in a true freshman. So you wonder about him wearing down, and maybe that's part of the reason they rotate him. So as you mentioned, though, things are going to get a lot more interesting next year. So moving on, another team that kind of took a while to get untracked against, in this case, um, Chemical Miami. That would be Iowa. They did eventually assert themselves, however. I didn't catch very much this game, if I'm being honest, but looking at the parts that I did see, um, we wondered about what the focal point of Iowa's offense would be this year, how exactly, you know, what they're... Who's going to make the play here now that they don't have Hawkinson, they don't have Fant, and even Nick Easley was a little bit of an underrated loss. Um, Oliver Martin scored a first game, a touchdown in his first game, so they've got a guy on the inside. And Makai Sargent led them in scrimmage yards, actually led them in both rushing and receiving. So they're probably going to continue to rotate backs. He's not going to rack up, you know, yardage totals the way guys like Jonathan Taylor will. But Sargent looks like kind of the alpha dog on that offense. And it's a good, I think you need to have that. Like I mentioned with Rutgers earlier, I think in important moments, it really helps to know who you can give the ball to and expect them to perform. It's cute and all to try to scheme things open and make everything easier, but sometimes it's just better to have the guy you know is the best guy either on the field or at least on your team and just be like, here, you do it. I think that helps. I think Iowa's got that guy in Sargent. I was trying to look and see. You're very focused. I was trying to see uh, when the last current Big Ten coach that allowed a touchdown pass by a Gabbert was. um, Gosh. Um, Because Jim Harbaugh... Did allow a touchdown pass to the Chargers, but it was or not Chargers, the Jaguars, but it was to Chad Henne. Um, it feels like it was probably Lovey Smith, but it might have been Ron Zook. <laughs> uh, are you well? Are you counting Ron Zook in like his time with the Packers or? No, I'm counting. I no, because well, I know that Blaine Gabbert that Blaine Gabbert threw for some touchdowns on Illinois when he was a coach there. But I'm trying to think, did any is this Gabbert related to Blaine Gabbert? Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't know. Who cares? Who gets the shit? The guy was a. The guy had, didn't he just have one good season and then now he's somehow, isn't he still, he's like the Jaguars. He never had a good NFL season. He was, No, I say he had one, I mean, he had one good college oh, yeah. season. They turned well, that was the into, thing. He, he somehow ended up being the starting quarterback at Missouri despite he didn't complete half his passes in high school. Well, I don't know. I mean, That's a weird thing. I don't think they're looking, I don't think Missouri regrets starting. And he was, of pretty, he was pretty damn good. And didn't he fought, wasn't he after Chase Daniel too? Yeah. Yeah, like right after, so... Why yeah, are we talking so, about Blaine Gabbard? This should have been a cameo mention at best. We've given him a solid minute of airtime. So what we're saying is that Drew Locke is likely to become a clipboard holder extraordinaire 
much like those previous Mizzou quarterbacks. Well, yes, he was drafted by the Broncos. True. And so, so he's destined to not start for two years and then get a job somewhere else somehow. So anyway... Although he's not quite as tall as they tend to like him in Denver. So what exactly... I mean, I don't know. I feel like we've gotten everything that we can get out of this Iowa thing. No, there's not much else to talk about. Like I said, they, they scuffled a little bit at the start, but the talent edge was always pretty decisive. They did lose Alaric Jackson to, I think, a knee injury, so he's going to be out for a couple weeks, but... They shuffle things around. They look just fine up front. Um, I think their center, Linderbaum, is going to be a really damn good one. I think he's a redshirt. Either a redshirt or a true freshman. I, they mentioned... When you say Alaric Jackson, I just think, like, God, I mean, their their defense looked absolutely Alaric in the first half. Yeah, he's the guy from here in the, the Detroit area that Michigan State passed on so they could recruit Jordan Reed. Uh-huh. And, that's, and that's all I have to say about that. So, yeah, it, I don't know what... I don't think there's much else to say about Iowa. Nebraska, your thoughts... Well, uh, Nebraska, once again, you know, started with a bit of a struggle with the Sun Belt team, but they actually put it away this time. Well, um, right, in, in exactly the fashion that we thought, too. Yeah. Um, two scores from the defense, and you got another one chipped in um, by the special teams to make up for just, you know, a, a schematically fossilized, inept offense that only put 14 points on the board. That's exactly how we expected Nebraska to win their games this year. Wait, no, I, I'm... Yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens when Nebraska runs into a Power 5 offense this week because... Well, LaVisca Chenault this week. I mean, let's not pretend Colorado's a top 30 offense or anything, but they've got a top 5 player in the country. Yeah. So, yeah, they the, the offense was uninspiring at best against the USA Jaguars. Um, Adrian Martinez went 13 for 22, 178, no touchdowns, a pick, and... Uh, they only ran for 100 yards as a team. What the hell? Yeah, I don't know. And it's kind of hard to say. Putting up under 300 yards <laughs> against... And I'm not aware. Again, this is not a game I caught much of, but are, like, rash of injuries I don't know about? Like, a uh, bunch of turnovers? Let's call it keeping the playbook simple. Let's do what... Let's do what all good college football fans will do. Well, we, we looked like ass because we're just not actually playing the whole game. Whatever you say, man. In year two, I don't think you have that luxury before your roster is actually fully installed as you want it to be and your playbook is actually well-known to your whole team. I just don't... For God's sake. Are we getting paid for the ads that keep coming up on your... Can you mute it? Is there any need to have volume on your laptop during this? Well, I mean, I need to have my sound card on, but yeah, in general, this is the danger of leaving any... of leaving multiple ESPN tabs open too long. Um, South Alabama... Uh, finished three and nine last year. By the way, so yeah. this is not even this is a far cry from Troy, but you did better against them. But didn't lose on Frost Day. That's all that matters. Um, we're we're coming around the turn here. I promise. Uh, hey, look, Illinois. They stuffed a wimpy kid into a locker for once instead of like going to pick up the kid and he like karate chops you in the nose and then takes your lunch money. Like that's how these games have typically gone for Illinois. Much better result. Your thoughts? Well, my goodness, it's nice to have a quarterback that can, like, actually kind of uh, throw the ball, but he doesn't have to be standing still for five seconds first. Um, I I don't know that I doubted his ability, per se. I doubted... You doubted his would... speed. You doubted his mobility. No, I mean, I, mean, I don't know that I doubted Peters his ability. I just... slow as you thought he was. <laughs> I doubted that we would really use him as effectively as we could have with all of our players, and it turns out, like, I don't know, 
I was absolutely wrong to doubt Rod Smith's ability to get the most out of this dude. There you go. Um, Doesn't that feel good to say so, that? So, bet you're real proud of yourself. You know, and the thing is, Duncan on Akron. The thing kangaroos is, kangaroos are endangered. To be probably. perfectly honest, they didn't even play that well. The offensive line. Forty-two to three. Played, are you really all right? No, oh no, the offensive God. line played great, oh, but I'm that. saying, like, there wasn't, like, one guy. It wasn't, like, a decided, like, oh, one dude went off. You, you played know. four running backs. Yeah. What, what? <laughs> so I'm saying, what, what I'm saying is, like, there wasn't, there weren't any astonishing individual performances. It was a team effort. Yeah. It was good stuff. Isn't that good that you don't need somebody to carry you to, t- to a victory over Akron? Yeah. Well, I'm saying, like, they, 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 ex- like, they, there were things they could have done better and it didn't even matter. It's awesome. All right. I'll take that. That's about as positive. Of, that's about. And as they held them to three me. points. That was that was a wonderful thing to behold. Uh, when was the sad field goal? At what point in the game? Oh, it, it was not a sad field goal. It was actually their first drive. Oh, all right. Um, I oh, was that, thinking, that's right. I watched the game with you. Yeah, yeah. Because I was I was thinking, oh, maybe the defense is gonna not be all that great. They tightened up from that. You were point thinking on. it. You loudly and and somewhat of a panic expressed that belief. Yeah. Well, they they because they because they completed a couple of passes. <laughs> all right. Uh, Indiana, on the other hand, decidedly did not stuff its nerdy Matt kid into a locker. Instead, they basically recreated like the opening scene from Casino Royale, where you know they, they probably expected it to go a little bit better, but then the guy fights back, and so Indiana eventually just had to drown Ball State in a bathroom, um, and then end up shooting them when they turned out not to be dead. So, you know, I guess if you're Indiana, you don't take anything for granted. The good news, and probably really the only news, is that the switch to Michael Penix does appear to have been a defensible position. He looked the part, looked completely smooth, had no issues. That was always going to be the story in this game, unless Indiana lost, which they didn't, but they were in peril. Never trailed, but it was always within striking distance. Penix led the team in rushing, um, as well as, of course, passing, because team only completed zero of their one attempts. Fucking bench this guy, for God's sake. Um... Drew Plitt has kind of a silly name, Ball State quarterback. Um, <laughs> Just point that out. Of course, he did complete a touchdown pass to Johannes Tyler, which I really, really like. That is that's that's a name worthy of being on Indiana's team with Peyton Hendershot, Wap Fillior, Ty Fry Fogel, and of course the immortal Penix. Fry Ty Fogel, ever in our hearts. <laughs> All right. Last game, kind of the game of the week by default, if only because nobody else is playing anybody interesting. Jorts, Western, and Ferd. How else could this game have really gone down? Though? I mean, of course you had both quarterbacks out of the game by the second half. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, turns out Fitzgerald wasn't joking about the quarterback rotation. Because um, he did start Hunter Johnson, only to yank him. So he's he was committed to this bit again, but it seems like... Based on TJ Green's health update, he might not have that luxury anymore. Nope, you're going to have to go with the most talented player your program's ever had. Damn, well, that's just, things don't always go according to plan. You figure by the end of September, they'll adjust and, and kind of life will go on. But man, this game was basically just a complete preview of what we're going to see with Northwestern's games against Michigan State, against Iowa, probably the games with Wisconsin and Minnesota. This is going to be like half of their schedule. It's just this unwatchable dreck. This game was exactly what we predicted it would be. I mean, yeah. it was no, we were exactly right exactly because outside it was a ten to seven win outside of that ridiculous fumble <laughs> on the last play of the game that got that backdoor cover, and uh, that's that, that that's about an apocalyptic nightmare of a football game. Now, there for a while there, it seemed like Northwestern was going to. St- 
stupid their way into a fourth quarter comeback win as they so often Especially do. Especially once Costello got hurt because Stanford's offense, my God, they're you could hear their collective testicles withdrawing up into their body. You could hear Costello. gears jamming. You could hear yeah. You could hear pistons seizing. Yeah, all the lights were all the warning lights were going off. Even the, even that orange one that you never look at, that one was going off too for Stanford. And they still managed to, they clawed just enough first downs on the ground out to make it work. So, August Northwestern, same as September Northwestern. They're going to end up 8-4, and 9-3, and three, be in the running for the title because they're going to win all their games in the conference. So, yeah, but unfortunately they got two conference games in September. That's um, what I'm counting on. <laughs> you know, Hunter has shit the bed. <coughs> Offense is surely dead. Wake me up when September ends. So let's go around the country now. We've dropped plenty of hints, plenty of teasers. It is time once again for the return of Dick Trip of the Week. Yeah, so many candidates in week many, one. Many, many. Uh, a lot of a lot of damn near Dick Trips. Iowa State came so close oh, to we losing. We were watching. We were watching with great interest. Came tantalizingly close to losing. In three overtimes to Northern Iowa, at one point they fumbled the ball, seemingly ending the game, but Brock Purdy got in there and recovered it. Yeah. Um, that yeah. would have been just um, a <laughs> disastrous outcome there. So as amusing as that was, well, and well, a couple others here, you know, Florida State lost at home because due to the approach of Hurricane Dorian. Did you know there could be Category 5 hurricanes? Who knew? Nobody anyway, nobody had ever heard of it. Who has ever heard of that? Because of the hurricane approaching Jacksonville, where the game was supposed to happen, at the last minute they moved the game to Tallahassee. So it's now a home game for Florida State and kicking off earlier than it was supposed to. And they still lost. Now, and lose. the hilarious part, they looked exhausted at the end of the game while Boise State were fresh as a collective daisy. But they started off with a 21-6 lead, if memory serves me yeah, correctly. they blow a 15-point lead at home to a team from the mountainous distant west. A true freshman making his first start at quarterback. Yeah. First, your first start quarterback is a road win in Dope Campbell. That's going to be something he remembers for a while, even if Florida State turns out not to be. And right. that'll be something that Florida State fans remember for a while, because oh boy, you what know. What you get for not starting Alex Hornibrook? <laughs> he is, in fact, the horniest of the Brooks. However, um, they supposed to be SEC. Yeah, they supposed to be SEC. We'll talk, we'll talk first about the two near escapes where Mississippi State was in a dogfight with the Raging Cajuns. Kentucky was fortunate to escape Toledo. Arkansas had to escape from FCS Portland State. And that's before we get to the actual losses. Uh, <laughs> the only saving grace for the SEC and the only thing anyone's going to pay attention to is Auburn pulled a horseshoe out of their collective ass against Oregon. Now they're ranked in the top ten. Even though they're probably one more play away from falling damn near out of the rankings entirely. 100%. Bo Nix made... A couple of plays, but he also made an awful lot of errant throws in this game. Um, Auburn, uh, well, really, Auburn uh, was kind of fortunate for that Justin Herbert went out for part of that game. Yeah. Yeah. And so, as we mentioned, that's before we get to the losses. We're talking multiples. Um, what's, your, what's, your preferred, what's your preferred flavor of the week for SEC losing? Well, I mean, it's nice to go to a sold-out power five or group of five, group of six road game, and uh, so dangerous. Why would they agree to this? Yeah. So they held the mighty Memphis Tigers to 15 points. They being Ole Miss. 
Ole Miss, yes. And they still lost 15 to 10. Respectable. Um, I'm going to go... I'm going to go with Mac Brown. Hesitantly, you know, I've, we know what the actual answer is, of course, the Dick Trip of the Week. But um, how about Mac Brown, first game back at North Carolina where he hasn't coached in 20 years. He's been out coaching for damn near 10, hasn't he? Yeah. Uh, first game back, true freshman starting, Will Muschamp loses. Remi- remind me again why Will Muschamp got a head coaching job again as fast as he can. Because he here's the timeline of his coaching career. So he started 95-96 as a grad assistant at Auburn, worked his way through a number of assistant positions, got his first coordinator job with LSU, spent one year with the Dolphins for some reason, then he was the defensive coordinator at Auburn for two more years, 06-07, then Texas for three when he was Mac Brown's head coach in waiting, because that always works. The Florida job from 11-14 to 14 when he thoroughly, beyond a shadow of a doubt, demonstrates, I do not like offense. I do not like pretty things like throwing the ball around. I would rather just lose every... I would rather lose a game than have an offense that has its designs rooted in the 21st century. All that was established beyond a shadow of a doubt in four years at Florida before he was ultimately fired. He spends one season as Auburn's defensive coordinator, coaching a team he had no part in recruiting or constructing. And because Auburn had a lot of talent, their defense was really good. And then South Carolina hires him right back. After Steve Spurrier retires. People are just in charge of things for no reason. I don't know who the athletic director at South Carolina was at that time. But this is really the best option. Like it, there isn't like there isn't a fresh Saban assistant you could try. Who hadn't been hired anywhere else yet. Like, You know it looked just based on the box score. Like this was a fairly. Uh, like this was a big choke job. Mm. The 20-9 to 9 lead going into the fourth quarter. But uh, North Carolina nearly doubled them up in total yards. 43 to 270. Yeah. Um, two turnovers for South Carolina, one for UNC. Uh, UNC really, I mean, and this is UNC that had hit rock bottom. What? They went 3 and 9. Did they go winless in conference last year? Almost positive. I think they were either 1 and 11 or 2 and 10. Yeah. I think they were 2 and And South 10. Carolina has been recruiting pretty good talent. Yeah. I figured even if you disregard the coaching, then at the very least the talent ought to allow them to coast, but was not the case. Um, but you you can go even deeper with the SEC because Mizzou decided to travel west and have why do a it? why do it highfalutin rootin tootin son of a gun from old Wyoming uh, beat them over the head with uh, his pistol. So yeah, they messed with Craig Bull. They got the horns. Objectively, the best fight song in college football. The only contestant would of course be Ramblin' Wreck. And my goodness, I mean. The whole aesthetic of that stadium at Wyoming is, is great. Yeah. I love the, the mountains in the end zone. It's so perfectly Western. If you, I've spent some time out there, and, and it, it just... Everything about watching a game at Wyoming, is the aesthetic is so perfectly Cheyenne, Wyoming. I know it's in Laramie, but yeah. it reminds me of Cheyenne so much. Yeah, and um, it, you know, it, it's not... The natural instinct here is going to be to laugh at like Kelly Bryant, I guess, because it's probably the only player... At Mizzou, most people can name. He threw for 420. He did his part. He did a really funny thing, though. Uh, right yeah. at the end of the first half, they had the ball at the goal line, and uh, at, at Wyoming's goal line, fumbled it. A defensive back from Wyoming picked it up, and Kelly Bryant ran him down about the 15, and horse collar tackled him as time expired. <laughs> untimed so, down. So had he pushed him out of bounds, that would have been the end of the half. But there was an untimed down, and they kicked a field goal. 
Yeah, not that that was the margin. It, it would be very funny if it was a one or two point game, but Wyoming didn't even need that field goal. But so. <laughs> they most supposed to be SEC down in Knoxville, where of course the pregame festivities included a boat catching on fire and sinking. Not just a, you're making it sound like a little speedboat, like had an engine fire. No, a forty foot yacht caught fire and went down went went down like the Hindenburg on water. Man, yeah, it was spectacular. Oh, the uh, huge manatees. <laughs> and what better, you know, what better harbinger could there be than you know the the flagship of your tailgating armada <laughs> catching fire? Like, no, you, it, you dude, know. It like you've seen the photos, it looked like a damn powder mag blew on it. Like it was insane. Now, like the photos of the main exploding. Now you you know that most uh, vast majority of Tennessee fans going into this year expecting. You know, probably some difficulties, but maybe to 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 contend a little bit with yeah. the lower half of the SEC. Yeah. Um, well, but it, certainly going into this game against a team that had gone two and ten last year um, in Georgia State, nobody's thinking that they have to be nervous about this. But there had to be a you know just knowing people that I know, there had to be at least one Tennessee fan that saw that. That yacht catch on fire and, and went and just, and just, turned, and just turned and left. Just said, just I'm not going. Just said, oh my god. I, <laughs> oh should, no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is not a good sign. Yeah. He's like, I, I picture him like walking into the stadium and he hears about this. He's like, two tickets right here. Three. Who wants them? Just gives, gives away his ticket and turns and walks away. Yeah. I picture you. I, no. I picture it being like when the like when the kid wakes up. On the plane, in the opening of Final Destination, <laughs> says, we gotta get out of the stadium! It's gonna go down! They're gonna blow! They're gonna blow! Everyone's <laughs> like, you're we crazy. We gotta get out of here! We gotta, we, we gotta get out of the stadium! But we gotta sing Rocky Top! And nobody's paying attention to him as he as he knows the doom that is coming. Yeah. Yep. It's so. Gonna, I saw it! I saw it! I saw it! They had a two-touchdown lead on us in the fourth quarter! So yeah, no no question there that despite many SEC options, Dick Trip of the Week, Tennessee at Georgia State. Congratulations! Volunteers, volunteers are our first Dick Trip of the Week recipient with strong competition. Your source for big gun talk, it's off tackle, Empire!